Hi, welcome to the It's All About Relationships podcast. I'm your host, Justin Bird. This podcast is for people interested in making sustainable, qualitative relationships their objective. I want world peace, and I build world peace one world at a time, beginning with the relationship with self and extending outward to marriage and family, friends, community, and world. So if that's an objective you want to take up, come along. Well, how the heck are you? Are you good? Are you bad? My guess is you're a combination of both. Because good and bad is included in the grand design. What can I say? It's all-encompassing. So let's work to augment the good. In this episode of It's All About Relationships, I'll be playing for you a portion of an interview that I had with Chuck Solanus IV, who wanted more practical application of this ideal called the Grand Design. So this is part two. Hope you enjoy. What do you think of the word Abba? Uh, to me, the word Abba has tons of meaning. Um, the first thing that comes into my head is Christ crying out in utter agony, total vulnerability, as a, uh, the, the, way you, the way I imagine a toddler would for his parent, for its parent, when he was on the cross and um, when he was suffering for the sins of the world cried out, Abba. Um, But also, I see the sequence of letters, A-B-B-A, in this pattern, uh, in a pattern that is universal to every act of creation. And every experience is, um, I think, follows an A-B-B-A pattern. Um, around a full circle. So at the top of the circle is A, at the bottom of the circle is B, and when you go around the circle, you go from A to B, and B to A, and that is one f- fully creative act, and or one full measure of experience. And it spells Abba. So... Alright. And this is the experience that you talk about in your book, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, this is the pattern, the circular A to B, B to A pattern. And, and it doesn't have to be represented circularly. Um, I think that the pattern is just the, how existence operates, how creation operates. And it can be illustrated through the, infinite lo- the infinity loop, which would be a circle unfolded once. Or it can also be depicted with great instruction and great utility as a pair of funnels that touch each other right here. So it's like a crisscross X, the way you would diagram a chiasm in literature, which, um, so a chiasm um, speaks to uh, inverted parallelism within a literary format. So where um, you begin with an idea you build upon the idea, and then you reach like the main idea, and then you, these are written lines here, 
Okay. And then you, uh, and then you revert backwards so that the idea above the main idea and the idea below the main idea reflect each other. Mm. And likewise, the third and the fourth all the way back to B so that the first and the last idea reflect each other. And they, they, the inverted parallelism leads up to the, where they meet, the climax, yeah. And that pattern is, is, is experience, it's creation and it's, um, it's the way our, our, it's the way, so you represent that by a crisscross and an A and a B and an A and a B and it shows, um, anyway, that, that's also how the bodies are built. Um, this pattern is, is um, these, these marker points are gendered. Um, in, there's a, a gendered duality of creation uh, where femininity and masculinity are, are principles or ideas. And there is some co correspondence to male and female bodies, but it's not a, it's not a one-to-one -one ratio. Um, these, these feminine and masculine ideals and principles abide within every human body, regardless of physical gender. But, um, <clears throat> but the human body is, is constructed after this chiasmic pattern, where um, in yogic tradition, the uh, left side of the body is feminine, the right side of the body is masculine, and in many religious worships, when the groups come together, you'll notice that the collective body is divided that way in uh, temple worship. Um, when, when the members of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints are receiving instruction uh, in the temple rooms, they're divided, females on the left, males on the right, with an aisle down between. Also, the, the Sikh, uh, Sikh faith when they gather for their weekly meetings, they also separate that way. And so our bodies, the left side of our body is feminine, the right side of our body is masculine, but our brains control the opposite half. So the, the right side of the brain controls the left half of the body, and the left part of the brain controls the right half of the body. And so you have this ABBA crisscross pattern occurring within every body and within every story, well, not every story, but in where you find chiasma in literature, which is in many places, particularly heavily in, in, in scripture, Hebrew scripture. Um, I just don't think that's, I don't think that's coincidence. I think it's just a, a construct of experience. Um, and I think, you know, one of the reasons that scripture comes out chiastic is because the human experience, the way we experience life through our bodies is chiastic. And just, you know, we record it that way and, and, we, and we receive it well that way. You know, it, it rings, it resonates with our experience and our understanding when we read um, chiasmus because, I don't know, it's just how we're constructed and... Um, and that's and that's just one example. I th you know there's 
there are other creative acts, including procreation, that follow the exact same pattern. Every every creative fact act that I've been come across so far that I've been able to, I've been able to see this pattern in it. Hmm. So, chiasm is basically a repeated idea, like a, a parallel idea where you start at the this top, you get to this middle, so A to B, B is the this focal point, mm -hmm. and then it returns back to A. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. So, so so liter in, in literature, it would be sort of a linear progression, mm -hmm. where the beginning is here and the end is here, and the middle focal point or climax is here. But um, but the circle is that same formula. If 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 you go around the circle, beginning, middle. And, and these points that lead up to, around like a clock, think of a clock, 11 and 1, you know, 10 and 2, that lead up to the climax or the middle, they are, you can draw a line between them, and they, they are inverted parallel points to each other. When you snip that circle and you draw it out linearly. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. And that happens within the framework of time. Okay. So time is linear, but, you know, God, who resides outside of time, for, for God, all things that God is, it's not linear. Um, for God, it's just one eternal round. And, and I am bringing awareness to this one eternal round. It's the same circle Joseph Smith wore on his ring that he used as a visual reminder of God, right? Which for him meant a lot. It meant everything he experienced through vision and revelation seemed to be encapsulated best for him in this circle. So I'm taking the same circle and I'm just adding a little line here with an A, a line here through the middle horizontally, and then a little dot here at the bottom with a B. And I'm trying to unfold that circle so that we have greater awareness of how it points to God. Not just a white male God in heaven who is separate from us, but the God in every other on earth with whom we interrelate, including the ones we despise. So I just, I just think that the, the more awareness we have of how things operate, the better positioned we are to engineer by intention how things operate. Explain that. Uh, there's, uh, there's just a couple different ways to go about it. Okay, so let me just pick one and roll with it. So... <clears throat> The way things are, the external conditions. Let's just say there's a set of external conditions that we hate. We just want to change them or kill them, right? Because they, these external set of circumstances are, we, we believe that they are killing us, that they are harming us, and that we can't just exist with them being the way they are. Not possible. They gotta go, or I gotta go, kind of thing. And so we're coming at external cir circumstances with a 
intent to change them and to shape them, reshape them in a way that pleases us and suits us more perfectly. Everyone does this. This is, I think, the natural approach, the natural man approach. Um, this, there's probably even, you know, biological reasons for coming at it that way. Particularly when we're experiencing pain from those external, physical pain or emotional pain from those external conditions. It's, it's just the way we think we need to guard ourselves and to protect ourselves from that pain is by reshaping those external conditions. And the effect that that approach has on those external conditions is to um, harden them and um, almost like um, if those external conditions were made of dirt, when we try to change them, it's like they become made of steel. It's like they just, they just settle in deeper to their position. Um, and, and we're doing that. And we're having an influence on that hardening effect. But when we allow those dirt structures or external conditions to be what they are, then suddenly they, in many cases, they turn more into sand. And um, our empathy or presence with them as they are, those structures as they are, also has an influential effect on them to where they, because they feel loved as they are or accepted, they are sort of drawn toward the one bestowing that love or acceptance. It, it, it almost has a, like a magnetic effect. Meekness is magnetic, is something that I believe. Um, when we can bear an injury without resentment, and we just love and accept those people or structures as they are, it tends to soften them. And so we end up actually being able to engineer more effectively through that meek influence than through the coercive um, pressure approach. So there's a science experiment in, in like junior high where you where you get this thing that's both a liquid and a solid it's I think it's just cornstarch and water mm. and when you it has both properties of a solid and properties of a liquid and you do it in junior high because that's when you're learning what a solid is and what a liquid is and so they're and I like to think of the veil as that cornstarch a cornstarch veil and I also like to think of um, other beings as that. So for example, the cornstarch, when you put it in your hands and you squeeze it, it turns hard and, and it, it displays properties of a solid. But when you stop squeezing it and you hold on with an open hand, it just melts, goes through your fingers. That's how people are. That's how other beings are. When you're talking about self and other, every other is like that when you put the pressure and the squeeze on, they tend to harden. And your ability to reshape them becomes almost nil 
right? You put enough pressure on it, it becomes a diamond. Well, how easily is it? How easy is it to reshape diamonds? I mean, but how easy? How easy is it to you know? To reshape water, you know, or sand, and so somehow our influence over others and and external structures and circumstances. Our influence increases the moment we accept it as it is and don't try to change it anymore. Suddenly it becomes willing to change for us. You know, it's this idea that Jesus, when he calmed the sea or any of his prophets that move mountains, the idea is that those pieces of matter are happy to do it for Christ. You know what I mean? Almost like a request and a sure, a, a delightful response. Of course, I'd love to do that for you. That's kind of the, the sentiment, I think, behind the idea of Jesus as master of the planet and the way he works miracles um, is that the elements obey him with delight. I haven't thought of it that way before. Um, the, the the elements obey with delight. Well, no, yeah. I I was thinking that it, it's because that you said that because Christ was meek and because he was humble, that he commands this influence over others because they're more willing and more accepting of. They're what completely willing. It is a, it is the only sustainable tyranny. It is, it is, it's total reign and control, but every constituent is delighted to be a constituent and to serve hmm. because their needs are fully met. Hmm. There's, no, there's no loss at being a, a slave to Christ or to being a servant to Christ because it's not, it's, it's, it's the total inverted experience of slavery or servitude it's it's one where you are anxious to belong like a like a child children love to have their parents name they love to belong they love to say i belong to that parent and i'm a part of that family it's total dependence it's in a way it's a kind of servitude um but that's where your needs are met you're happy to go because that's where the trough is and you're hungry and so I call it a sustainable tyranny because it's, it's, it's a tyranny in the sense that you have a power over your subject who is coming to you for food, for sustenance, for the resources your life requires to sustain itself. And in that sense, they're, they're your dependent. But it's a delightful experience and a happy paradigm because they're getting the resources their life requires to sustain itself. And they're having sustained life. Hmm. I really redefine eternal life as simply a paradigm where needs are finding the resources they require to sustain life over and over and over again in perpetuity without damnation. Hmm. And you're saying that with Jesus it's always a win-win relationship. Yes. And I'm saying that everyone who is proud to say that they're, you know, a, a servant to Christ or a, a slave to God or in submission to God. These people are 
doing it by choice. They're doing it with their own free will. They're singing praise, hymns of praise spontaneously. It's like the spontaneous, praise is like the spontaneous combustion of a person in need who just had his or her needs met. Just that life, just coming to life, that new life, when a need is met by a resource, it just comes out in praise. Gratitude and acknowledgement for the source, the one who gave you the resource that you were in need of. And as a fallen world, the result of Adam and Eve is that all of humankind is in great need. We're in need to live again because we're all going to physically die. We're in need. Our, the, sp the spiritual death that resulted from the fall creates great need, great emotional, um, social need, um, spiritual need needs about regarding mental health, needs for community, um, empathy, acknowledgement, presence. These are huge, ever-present, constant needs that are a result of the fall of Adam and Eve that, um, that are met by a Savior and the people who do the Savior's work and distribute the resources for him that he would distribute if he were there. And so everyone in receipt of these resources becomes a happy disciple. Right. They're happy to follow and pursue and God and his people because it's just so rewarding to be on that train. And tying it back to human relationships, when you're in a relationship where everyone's happy to do, um, to be in relationship with one another, then it's a lot, it works out a lot better. It's, it's the only sustainable way. The only way to keep a relationship sustainable is to make that relationship a win-win. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, someone's going to bail. And anytime we engage, going back to what you were referencing earlier, um, where self feels separate from other, and that there's no harm to self in the damage of other or the elimination of other, um, sustainability is a process of this full circle. So when you believe in separation, you believe self, self is separate from other, and that other people are disposable, you're never, you're in, in none of your interactions are you coming full circle. And that's the problem, that's why it always fails. That's why these paradigms, relationship paradigms always fail. On micro levels and macro levels, whether it's, you know, a sister and her brother, or it's one country against another country, it's, it's the way they're relating, it's, it's the it's the, it's the formula of, of interacting, it's, it's the process by which they are relating that either will be sustainable or will collapse on itself. If you want to learn more, order my book. It's called The Grand Design. The link is below, it's available on Amazon, and it outlines this pattern found in all relationships and illustrates it in three specific examples. Getting yourself familiar with the pattern will make shifts in your mind and in your heart that will begin to open new awareness about your present relationship needs. To get more help applying this pattern to your present relationship needs, reach out to me. Es wird doch alles wieder gut. Nur ein kleines bisschen Mut. I'm Justin Bird. 
wishing you the very best with your relationship sustainability.